Five-minute penalty to Chicago, a game misconduct, and then Manson having words with Stephen. And now, Butcher gets into it. We're going to have a brawl, folks. Stand by. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Tyler Cash with Fourth Line Goon Hockey Podcast. I am sitting in my recliner in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, very hungover from too many White Claws yesterday, and I'm chatting with my uh, with my buddy Tommy. Say what up, dog? What's going on, buddy? Yeah, you're uh, you know, a little a uh, little overboard there with the claws, didn't you? Yeah, I was clawed out. You could say that. You could you could say that. Uh, the wife was celebrating five years cancer free. So uh, that was a, a good time. We, uh, you know, went out to the Mexican Congrats. restaurant. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was good. Congrats, yeah, good time. Uh, and uh, yeah, today saw that uh, saw that dope cheesecake that you made. Look, looked, looked pretty delicious. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm Susie fucking homemaker making uh, some cheesecake, vegan cheesecake. Might add with uh, my bare hands out of scratch. So that was uh, that was fun. It was good. We went out to a Mexican restaurant and ate some tacos and drank some alcohol and um yeah and now i'm in my uh, star wars pajama pants and been watching star wars all day just being a bum just uh taking in the hangover full on uh what what about you what have you been up to today uh actually fucking miserable helped my girlfriend move into her new apartment yesterday so it's been uh it's been a shit show just doing all that and uh yeah i'm just super sore from basically being the only person lifting all the heavy stuff but don't tell her i said that and you don't have the option to like say no you know like when your buddy asks you to help exactly. move you you can be like nah like I, you know i'm busy but you know when it's your girlfriend it's kind of a kind of a different situation you know it's uh it's funny you say that about being sore uh actually to add i had my my playoffs oh that's right i uh Decided to be the hero in game one and dive in front of a slap shot. Took it straight to the ribs. So I, uh, yeah, I feel uh, like complete shit today, to be honest with you. So it saved that first game. We wound up losing in the final, but it was a good time. It was the first time I've made playoffs and with my ice hockey team. So we haven't really uh, chatted lately. It's been a couple of weeks because obviously, you know, it's downtime. There's not as much to talk about. Uh, but in recent uh, light, we have some news to share, so we can uh, we can chat with you guys a little bit more about the hockey world. Uh, what do we got first? Well, I mean, the one thing that we sort of got our uh, ass kicked around about uh, beginning of free agency was the whole Pat Maroon debacle. I guess that's probably a good place to start now that that uh, whole situation has finally come to an end, don't you think? Right. And I mean, we knew he was leaving for a long time now. It wasn't conclusive. And I think actually in the last episode, we talked about how there was a possibility he might return because with each passing day and no contract on the table, it was hard to not envision him coming back on the cheap uh, on the cheap was right. But where he went was kind of crazy. He signed with uh, the Tampa Bay lightning at 900 K. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? This is a situation where it's like, we could have brought him back. We definitely could have made him work in St. Louis, but at that point, if someone gets injured majorly or, you know, you have a couple guys banged up who are going to be out for a couple games, you're up against the cap wall. You really aren't able to really bring anybody up. You're only going to be running either one extra forward or uh, one extra D-man, not not both. Um, so it kind of creates a little bit of a dilemma there as far as having some flexibility for injuries. So that's one thing. And then we still haven't signed Barbashev, 
who, you know, is our fourth line, you know, sort of grinder shutdown guy there during the playoffs. Yeah, I think, I mean, he's an RFA. He's coming back pretty much no matter what. But I thought what was interesting is, uh, should I follow all the players, you know, for the Blues and whatnot on uh, Instagram? And uh, right as the uh, sort of news for Pat Maroon broke, Barbashev started posting, you know, he's over at Top Golf in Chesterfield, one of the suburbs there in St. Louis, you know, with a couple other Russian guys in the, on the team. And it's just like, okay, well, he's now back. So that clearly, you know, leaves the idea out of your mind. Is Barbashev going to get traded for something for his rights or is he going to hold out for a bit? So I think it's pretty much now set in stone. Okay, we have the money to sign him. We don't have to worry about Maroon. Let's just get this over with type of a thing. We'll probably hear about that shortly. So they've clearly valued Barbashev more than Maroon. Is that is that kind of the vibe that you're getting with that? I mean, sort of. I mean, Barbashev's 23. I mean, granted, he didn't produce, you know, really that much as far as numbers go in the playoffs. But, I mean, he was just shut down, shut down centerman doing what he needed to do for us, you know, especially late rounds, but I think it came kind of came around there in uh, the Western conference final against the sharks and the cup final there against the Bruins. But it's one of those things too, where you have the rights for him for a bit and he's going to be cost controlled more long-term as opposed to maroon, you know, best case scenario, you get him for a one or two more years versus, you know, at that point you have barbershop who'd be what 25 and, you know, he only has room to grow. So I don't blame him for value on him more at that point. Yeah. To me, it seems like the Blues really had no agenda to sign Maroon. I mean, for the fact that he signed one year at 900K, I mean, I'm I'm assuming here shortly we're going to hear these uh, the information that has been you know under the surface whether he was offered other deals with other teams. Maybe he thought it would be fun to go play for Tampa. They're obviously a Cup contender, so he's going somewhere where he could potentially win back to back Stanley Cups, which is wild to even think. You know, Pat Maroon and Stanley Cup is one sentence, but back-to-back Stanley Cups, you know, and have him going to Tampa is another. Yeah. Um, so you, you have to wonder, were the Blues ever going to dive down that road? Were they ever thinking about potentially bringing him back? I guess they just didn't see it working out, you know, long-term, and they wanted maybe they offered him a year at the same amount. I, I, I don't think so, because if they would have done that, wouldn't he have stayed put? I, well, that's the thing. I, I think, again, it came down to, I think, in my opinion, Doug Armstrong sort of made it clear to Maroon, like, hey, we want you back. We just don't know if we can yet. We need to get everyone who we know we're 100% bringing back signed first, and then we'll circle back to you. And, you know, if time runs out or things don't go as smoothly as we expect them to go, you know, best of luck type of thing. And I think that's kind of where it got to. Because, I mean, even more so... I mean, you can look back to what, I guess not last year, but the year before, like last couple of years, like a couple guys in training camp, you know, like, I mean, specifically point to Robbie Fabry where, you know, he tears his knee and he's out for the year. And all of a sudden, you know, there's 900 K freed up for Pat Maroon. You know what I mean? So it, it's just one of those things where it's like, maybe something unfortunate happens. We'll bring you back. No problem. We can't promise you anything. We want you here. It's just, we can't make the numbers work. Right. I mean, I wonder what his role is going to be going to Tampa. I when we got that, you know, update and we were chatting about it, my first thought was I don't see a spot on their roster for him. And then you brought up a very valid point. Are aren't they don't they have, you know, quite a few, you know, forwards already on their roster as of current? Well, I mean, that's the funny thing with Maroon sign as far as their NHL roster goes, they only have 11 forwards, which isn't even a full four lines. They're still missing a guy. I mean, Braden Point, who's been amazing, who's an RFA, who hasn't signed yet with the uh, Lightning, 
he's going to get signed. It's going to make 12. So, I mean, at that point, it's looking at the roster, looking at some of the names, just sort of glancing over them. They have sort of in their minors. There's really no one that jumps out that's really going to challenge him on the on the roster. So, I mean, I, I think his spot's secure as far as where he's going to play. I mean, I would expect him just based on what they have to be, you know, a third, fourth line type guy and run from there. I think it's going to be... It's going to be interesting in a sense because Tampa, I'm sure as we all sort of know, comes off as the not necessarily heavy, hard-hitting team, but more of the you know fast transition, really quickly type of a team. And obviously, Pat Maroon's the polar opposite of that. So it'll be interesting to see who he's going to click with and where they're actually going to play him. But I, yeah, I'd project him third line at best. You know, maybe getting ten minutes a game on the fourth line, just depending on how they want to how they want to go about it. So, well, obviously, we wish him the best. It looks like the Blues are looking, you know, to get younger and look forward to the future a little bit, you know, to to make sure that they're not just bringing these dudes back because they think the chemistry might bring another cup. I mean, that would be a plus. But it seems like this offseason, you know, the Blues organization has been kind of playing it safe, you know, not really offering long term contracts. They've all been relatively small dollar amounts. I mean, these guys are playing for you know, a little bit over league minimum and, you know, they're trying to get the team younger. So, I mean, you can't really blame them if they don't really find a spot for Maroon. And well, yes and no with that. I mean, it just kind of, it's more fortunate for the blues more than anything. The people they had to resign really weren't of super high significance. I think, yeah, what our biggest contract was the Bennington deal, which really isn't that much 4.4 million for Bennington a year. And then what Sunquist at 2.7. I mean, they're really the only guys they had left to sign were role players, depth guys, Sunquist, you could argue, could, you know, potentially challenge for a second line spot, depending on how things play out. If people get hurt, don't perform, you know, get traded, what, what have you. But I mean, the blues really didn't have anyone big to sign, but look for, look the next year, Braden Shen's are unrestricted free agent. You know, that's a big deal there. Petrangelo's up Petrangelo. next year as well. Bowmeister's yeah. going to be gone. Edmondson's up again. I mean, there's going to be big money, to be spent if we're planning on keeping any of those guys. Um, One could argue that the Edmondson, uh, you know, deal was a little high too. I mean, he got three point one million through arbitration. I mean, that's a that's a pretty sizable. That's bigger than Sunquist, right? Yeah, but you also have to look at the look at the fact that I mean, I'm sure it's happened in the past. There's probably been some extreme cases, but going through arbitration, you're pretty much almost as long as you're healthy and you're somewhat producing to get a regression in salary is almost unheard of. So, I mean, he made $3 million last year. He's getting the slight bump. So, I mean, that's that's kind of what I expected. But, yeah, it, it's – I don't know what's going to happen with him. It's I, I generally don't. It's going to be very interesting. Well, as I said, we wish him the best. Uh, Tampa's going to be an interesting team. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really want to dive down that road yet because we're going to – our topic for this episode, as we talked about, is uh, going to be the most improved – uh, and the least improved team in each conference. So uh, yeah. I, I do have something to bring up about that later. But uh, let's let's keep moving on uh, with with news as far as that goes. Uh, well, obviously we talked about Luongo retiring before, but his number is going to be the first in Panther history to be retired. Um, some people thought that was a little strange because uh, you know he did he did spend a good chunk of his time. What was that in, in Vancouver as a, uh, the Canucks? So they were yeah. wondering. They're wondering is are you know is Vancouver going to retire his number like is he really known for being a Panther like either way hell of a career hell of a goaltender and I mean that's such an honor to have his number retired. 
wasn't drafted by them necessarily, but I mean, he he was with Florida. He had really solid year, you know, a couple solid years there as a, you know, first few years in the league. He played what four or five years of them before he went to Vancouver, but then he also played you know another six back in Florida. I think he spent a few more years in Florida than he did in Vancouver. Um, so I mean, that's sort of in my eyes, just sort of based on what he said and what he's talked about in the past. I mean, Florida's kind of his home. I mean, just thinking off the top of my head. I mean, obviously, aside now from them signing Bobrovsky in the uh, offseason, Florida really hasn't had like a, you know, a quality, you know, household name type goaltender really outside of Roberto Luongo. You know, you could maybe argue a couple other guys, you know, in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. But, you know, no one really sticks out more than Luongo, in my opinion, because, I mean, wasn't the greatest goal. You don't get me wrong, but I mean. He has almost 500 wins. He's got, you know, almost 80 shutouts. I mean, the guy played over a thousand games as a goaltender, which is pretty damn impressive, if you ask me. Right. And I remember he gave that speech after one of the shootings in Florida. Yeah. And, you know, he, he clearly his heart is there. Uh, he seems like a natural leader on and off the ice. It's pretty crazy, though, to think that he's the first number in Florida Panthers history to be retired. And, I know a lot of people were, you know, asking why hasn't this came up before with like Van Beesbrook, uh, Pavel Bure played for him. Yeah, uh, I mean they've had they've had some some names, uh, and it's pretty wild to think that all these years uh, later they're finally having that first number retired. And you know, stick taps to him like that's that's a rad uh, accomplishment. And and obviously he retired. I think we talked about this as well last episode, but it didn't hurt to touch back. Uh, he kind of retired because he knew he was no longer that that number one. You know, they they moved yeah. into Brodsky and and they needed the room and the, I'm sure they needed the room and cap space to make it happen or, you know, it wouldn't hurt. Um, and, uh, you know, him stepping down and retiring, it just seemed like the right the right time. And I, w- I wouldn't doubt if the franchise approached him and said, hey, look, you know, it's we feel like it's time to move on. H- how do you feel? Um, we also want to honor you. I, honor you with retiring your number and i wouldn't doubt if he's known about it for a minute yeah yeah and i I agree with you with that i mean obviously he's getting old there's really not as much left in his hips and his legs i feel like i mean he wasn't playing terribly but he wasn't playing great down the stretch i mean there's really not much more you can only say about it i mean love the guy he's got a phenomenal personality i mean just though like 10 times a year that he posts on Twitter, it's just downright hilarious. So, I mean, it's a great guy, but I mean, yeah, going back to some other people like Pablo Bure, you know, I think the difference is Bure kind of was passing through. Only played a few years of Florida versus the Wongo sort of his career got started in Florida. Everyone sort of knew who he was in Florida. And then it's kind of, you know, he has his whole family there. Now they're growing up there. And, you know, I think it's almost fitting to end his career there. But then I guess the flip side of that is, as far as retiring numbers, generally teams that retire numbers, they generally have some sort of, you know, success as a team, whether it be, you know, winning a conference championship, winning a cup, president's trophy, you know, things like that. There's generally some sort of team accomplishment that sort of puts it over the top to allow you to, to sort of retire the number. Whereas, I mean, it's kind of funny to say that as a blues plan with all the, what, the eight or nine we have up there already. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just seems they have never really done a whole lot. So they've only been around what, 25 years. So, I mean, there's really only a handful of players that sort of fit that, in my opinion, criteria to even be, you know, retired. And he's kind of the one that stands out from everyone that would even be considered. True. And if you were going to, if they were going to retire Yager's number, I mean, wouldn't like 
there would have to be like what twenty different NHL teams that would have to retire Yager's number. <laughs> they do it across the board. Maybe he comes back another year, so you can't retire it yet, right? Oh, true, true. Well, I heard that there's a rumor going around that he had every intention to come back and retire as a penguin. And there's some sort of drama behind the scenes where he doesn't really get along with, with whether it be the GM or, or, or some sort of level of management. Um, and they're kind of like, yeah, they're kind of slowing down the process of, of bringing him back because you would have thought it would have happened by now. I mean, I guess well, you're right. He could come back. I mean, I, I mean, he could technically come back, but I, I don't see it happening. Well, yeah, I mean, last year, because actually I was in, I was in uh, Czechoslovakia, I was in, uh, fuck, namescape, you know, had Prague, um, and we almost went to one of his uh, his team's game there, which is just outside of Prague, but we found out from some people there, you know, just wearing, you know, hockey jerseys or t-shirts and stuff, asking about them, them sort of understanding what English they could, um, they told us that he's actually hurt, and I think he only played, like, five or 10 games at the very end of the season because of that knee injury or whatever he sustained in Calgary. He never actually fully recovered from it. So it took him a long time. So yeah, that's just an interesting tidbit that I sort of found out when I was over there. But yeah, I, I, I think it'd be cool to bring him back. He's got, he's 79 points away from 2000 points. I think that'd be damn awesome for him to get 2000 points, but I don't think a team's going to take a flyer on a, what soon to be 48 year old dude. So, well, I mean, if, if Florida didn't want to renew him, and he was just kind of like a free agent there towards the end. Um, well, no, didn't he go somewhere else and then he, he bailed? Like he well, only played a couple what, games. Well, that's, that's what I was saying. Yeah, he went to Calgary two years ago and he got hurt. And then he right. came back and then he got hurt again. And then he, I guess the injury, from my understanding, it wasn't a good one. So he just took the rest of the year off. He was like, yeah, I'm not playing. I can't play anymore. Right. Oh, uh, okay. I thought yeah. we were talking about the KHL. So uh, yeah, no, sorry, no, no, no. Yeah, no, you're yeah, good. No, I remember that he he didn't he didn't play for very long. I remember that, but it, I remember when he was he was due up. It was kind of hard for a team to. It feels like the Calgary is always willing to 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 take a chance on on these guys yeah. that other teams won't. Whenever you hear about these guys that are looking for long term, or you know, obviously James Neal was one of them. I remember, uh, yeah, Troy swapping Brower, for Richards. Troy Brower was another one. Um, man, I mean, they seem to always be the, the team that's willing to take a chance on somebody. But, uh, you know, it didn't work out, obviously. So uh, Calgary Flames legend uh, Yamir Yager uh, still without a team in the NHL. But whether or not his number gets retired with the Penguins, I guess that's, you know, that's a story for another day. Um, not much more news. Um Oh yeah, obviously the the big one, uh, uh, Kuznetsov, uh, with his the recent suspension. Yes, he's he's been hanging with James Neal, and he got caught with uh, cocaine in his system. Which I didn't know this. There's a video surfacing from back in May, uh, where this girl like snapped. You didn't him hear in a about hotel that? Room. No, I I did. I guess it went right over my head. But yeah, this girl snapped. Uh, you know him doing some lines in a hotel, and uh, then yeah, I guess it got it quiet. Was, it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it was this May. I was, I think he was in Vegas. Uh, but yeah, it was, yeah, unknown substance on table where it was like two fine lines. And there's a rolled up hundred dollar bill next to it. I mean, you do the math, but <laughs> put yeah, two I mean, and two he, together. Exactly. I mean, he's sitting right in front of the table. It's just like, okay, whatever. I mean, the way I see it is, yeah, he did it. He's done it. 
in my opinion, nearly all the NHL players have done it or currently do it. It's just part of the NHL culture, and it's not really going away, in my opinion. Um, I was actually talking to my buddies about it the other day. Um, we sort of said it's it sort of like reared its head in the 80s and 90s and sort of went away a bit, and then now it's sort of coming back again and sort of going full circle, not only in hockey, but sort of the way of the world as well. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that's going to change. I mean, he got suspended, what? four years for the IHAF. So pretty much any international competition, he's not going to be able to plan for the next four years, which grand scheme of things. That, yeah. Which we yeah, were sort of talking about before. Oh, go ahead. That, sorry. That includes the, uh, the 2022 Beijing Olympics. So that was kind of the big one is the fact well, that he's not going to be able to compete in that. Well, that's the thing. Are any NHL is going to even be able to compete in the NHL. Probably not. The way things are going, because they, they haven't the last time, and I mean they tried to do the whole World right. Cup of Hockey or whatever to sort of offset that, which is not the same. It just doesn't the same feel. But um, yeah, and the, the way I was sort of explaining it to you earlier was, I mean, cool. IH, IIHF did something about it. You got four ban, four year ban from it. But like the flip side of that is the Capitals. Like you know, we might not like Tom Wilson. You know, whatnot. They obviously you you're not a fan of them. They beat the Knights. You know, two years almost two years ago now, or two seasons ago, I should say. In the in the cup final, like that sucked for you, but like they're a good team. So, like if if they go into the you know late into the second round, make it to the third round, like by that point he's not going to be able to be added to Russia's you know World Cup or not World Cup, but uh, well, I can't think of the name off the top of my head. But the IIHF sort of World Championships for pretty much everybody, which tends to be players in the NHL and other leagues that aren't in the playoffs or any postseason, they tend to go play for their countries at that point, sort of keep playing hockey. But yeah, my point is, if they make it long, you know, long deep into the playoffs, deep runs, he's not even going to get a chance to be on that team because it's going to be past preliminary rounds. They can't add him, from my understanding. So it's like the Capitals do good these next four years. And assuming, which is probably going to be the case, there's going to be no Olympics with the NHL again. This band kind of means nothing. Right. If you put it that way, obviously that's not anything that anyone pays attention to, but that that makes a lot of sense, you know. I mean, and obviously the NHL is not going to do anything about it. You know, people yeah. were chiming in when we when we had the news for it, and they were like, "Oh, what is the NHL going to do? What are they going to do?" It's like nothing, because if, as you said, it's it's culture with the league, and if they're gonna, you know, start, you know, fining or punishing players for for that, then I mean, Jesus, there's well, going to be a James Neal on every team. Yeah, yeah, and if for anyone who doesn't know, if that lets our old podcast in on the little joke that we have, um, our little whole thing is James Neal is the uh, is the the guy for controlled substances in the league to go to, and there's a little backstory on that. If you, uh, I, I have to look it up. We can probably put it on our Facebook or something. But there's a series that they won. I think it was the one. Uh, I think it was the one before they went to the Cup final before or right after James Neal got traded or signed with the Predators for the one off the face of Penguins. Ryan Johansson was on the bench and like looked right at uh, James Neal because Johansson was injured. He was on like crutches and just like looked him in the eye and just completely did a huge snort like right on live camera and you couldn't see James Neal's face, but he did it right to him. So that's kind of been our uh, our running joke with that. But uh, I think it's a GIF. If you type in like on probably. Facebook or like Twitter, it is a GIF. So if you type in James Neal cocaine, I'm sure it comes up. So every time we reference that, that's what we're talking about. But uh, yeah, so Kuznetsov uh, and James Neal have been kicking it in the offseason is what we can uh, what we can put together with that. Um, 
like you said, it's not going to really hold the dude back. I'm sure he's not too concerned. It's not hitting his bankroll at all. Um, we don't know if NHL players are going to be able to play in the Beijing Olympics. I, I'm going to chime in and say that maybe there's a possibility because I think that's strange that that was part of the press release that they they mentioned that he he's barred from being able to, to play in it. So, they, I mean, maybe they're trying to work it out. I mean, especially with the fact that we're getting closer and closer to a potential lockout. Um, maybe that might be in the terms to let players go and, you know, compete on international levels. Uh you know, we, we, well, we, we don't know right now. So, sure. uh, but as of now, uh, Kuznetsov four years from, uh, from, um, playing with, uh, what, what, what league is that? IIHF, which is the I- international something hockey federation. I can't think of the off the top of my head. Um, but nothing as far as the NHL goes. And I mean, that's not going to change yeah, international ice hockey federation. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, but like the funny thing is, yeah, he's supposed to meet with the commissioner, um, to talk about it, but like the interesting thing is since cocaine isn't considered a performance enhancing drug, because I believe the IHF, the NHL, NHLPA sort of have a program where they share and they sort of agree on, okay, this substance is performance enhancing. This one isn't blah, 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 this, this and that. Um, they both agreed that it's a drug of abuse. It's not a performance enhancing drug. So the only thing that the NHL will do, well, basically they can hold an intervention they can have him evaluated and basically have him get sent to mandatory treatment. There's no suspensions. He could, you know, it could be a situation where, okay, we want you to leave the team for a week or two to get this dressed. Nothing. You still get paid. It's kind of like paid leave at that point, And that's it. But that's literally word for word from the article um, with the whole Kuznetsov, Kuznetsov situation from NHL's website. So a point that I wanted to bring up, I know we didn't really uh, sort of, I guess, put it on the agenda here to talk about, but What's interesting is, and it bothers me so much because, you know, I'm not a big fan of football. I mean, you obviously don't have a big baseball guy, things like that. But it's just like the way the NHL has sort of gone about, you know, marijuana and cocaine and things like that. You know, as much as you hear about these, you know, old enforcer guys sort of, you know, you know, killing themselves and things like that, as unfortunate as it is. I think they go the right way about it because in these other sports you have a guy goes and he's, you know, running into people as fast as he can with pads and getting clobbered. And, you know, on his off day, he feels like shit. So what does he do? He goes and smokes a joint or, you know, hits a bowl or whatever. And he goes and gets drug tested. Next thing you know, he can't play for four or six or eight games. Like that's it. And now because of that, and because of the, you know, the NFL's policy for that, for example, it's, you know, this guy's a terrible role model. This guy is a terrible person blah, 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 you know, if he has any endorsement deals, those are out the window pretty much. It's just, it's stupid. Whereas NHL is like, we're going to handle this internally and that's going to be that. We're not going to make a big deal out of it. And now you like, players can still, you know, take care of themselves that, you know, arguably it's not the best way to do it, but it's a way to sort of release and reset without having to worry about the repercussions of there's an eight-year-old kid who's now finding out that, you know, for example, you know, Sidney Crosby is, you know, doing coke or Connor McDavid is smoking a bunch of pot. Obviously not saying that they do that, but I, I just think it's silly how, how that's done in other leagues. And like the NHL is really progressive about it, which is fantastic. But my point is, yeah, it's just it's silly how big of a deal it still is in, in today's world. I know it's a little bit of a rant, but yeah. I, well, I, I mean, I agree. And I think it's a little strange on what is labeled performance enhancing and what's not. Right. Because as you said, someone gets hurt, injured. 
it's much better for them to smoke weed than it is to pop a bunch of painkillers, you know, because we've heard of a lot of hockey players. Um, I know uh, Cam Jansen uh, went on a podcast and talked about his addiction to painkillers when he was just, you know, getting beat every day and like going into these fights and he needed to keep playing, you know, and so he would just, you know, rely heavily, uh, you know, on painkillers to get him through. And I mean, if that means, you know, as you said, it's a rant, it's, it gets a little bit on the, the political spectrum and we try to keep, keep ourselves away from that. Uh, you know, let a fucking player do what he needs to do as long as he's, you know, not harming himself or anyone around, Correct. Him, you know, but I guess when it, when it comes into that scenario, uh, th- that's where the zero tolerance comes in. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast because I think this might have been before, um, but obviously the whole uh, Nate Schmidt thing that happened <laughs> yeah. last season, where you know he he what he found what they found in his system, they said was literally less than a grain of salt in an Olympic sized pool, but they have to make an example of him, and he got a twenty game no paid suspension, um, and. You know, has he been using performance enhancing drugs? We don't, you know, we don't know. We can we can put two and two together, or we can formulate our own opinions, and and that's fine. Uh, but you know, as you said, it, it's uh, and they kept it under wraps. It seems like the, like the NHL likes to keep things quiet as far as that goes, as, as opposed to what you said, like the NHL or the NFL. There's a lot of players that have spoken out about how they're not allowed to use, you know, certain drugs or whatever the deal is, but. Yeah, it's just when you have a zero tolerance policy, I guess you just have to keep it across the board. You know, you really can't punish a player, you know, for smoking weed or, or, or you know, doing coke or, or whatever it may be. Like, you can't have different punishments for different drugs, is my point. So that's where it gets kind of tangled up is like, what do you need to do? Like, how can we how can we just make this? Right. And I guess the main thing is it's not legal everywhere. Right. So that's the big problem. Once, you know, marijuana becomes illegal across 50, all 50 states federally, then I'm sure these, you know, this won't even be a an issue. And, and then and then God knows where the leagues are going to go. From yeah, there. very true. And yeah, I mean, I guess just sort of wrap it up. I mean, performance enhancing drugs versus I, I, I don't know what I'd call it. Illicit drugs. You know, things that you can't necessarily get prescribed, I guess. Like, I guess you some states you get prescribed marijuana or whatnot. But, um, you know, just things that aren't, I guess, as readily available as you can get your hands probably on marijuana or cocaine. You can probably go to most bars in any city and find a guy who's dealing that versus, hey, I can hook you up with some steroids. I can hook you up with some testosterone or, you know beta two stuff you know hormone shit all that all that stuff but my yeah again yeah well i guess the steroid that's a different yeah the steroids is a different situation because they're obviously looking out for the best interest of the player as well yeah you know they don't want people to be abused the hell out of their body you know in in general um but you know what i want to know is would they consider like because they they're saying cocaine is not a performance enhancing drug do they consider Adderall? Like, I mean, you know, obviously in esports, they they consider Adderall a performance enhancing drug, so it's like banned, and they like drug test in esports. So is that like if you're not prescribed Adderall, like is that considered a perform performance enhancing? And drug? like, I think there's different different uh, different, I guess, interpretations is the best way to put it in each league because I know like 
<clears throat> excuse me, in the uh, like MLB. I know there's players who use that stuff, but they've gotten like actually suspended in the past because like their prescription expired, but they've been knowingly taking it, but it wasn't renewed, but they're still taking it, and they got drug tested. Oh, you don't have a prescription for it. Sorry, you're banned. Um, you know, shit like that's happened. But like, I'm pretty sure, and again, don't hold me to this, you or anyone who listens to this, I'm pretty sure what's interesting is the NHL sort of outlines that I need to find the, there's a PDF out there of how they sort of lay everything out. What's allowed or, you know, what's not allowed, what's considered performance enhancing, what's not blah, blah, blah. But I'm pretty sure the interesting thing is using marijuana, using a narcotic, like a, you know, a heroin or an opioid or, you know, a stimulant like cocaine. I'm pretty sure they're all banned and not allowed while you're playing. So my point with that is if these guys are testing positive for whether it be weed, whether it be Coke, whether who knows at that point, who's to say they are or are using it during the game? Like there's no way to really prove that. So that's kind of the other interesting right. sort of aspect behind that is like they're technically banned, but like we're not going to do anything about it. And like if you do take it during the game, like we can't prove it. So we're just going to keep on the down button. Right. Or what are they going to have players start piss testing before first? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Before puck dropping. Yeah. And, you know, I guess as the years go on and and the laws change, I mean, we're going to we're going to see some changes within the league. Uh, The Kuznetsov scenario, obviously, the NHL is not worried about it. Uh, That's more of the international level. Um, So, yeah, uh, I mean, that, that pretty much wraps up the news that we have. Uh, And uh, we wanted to talk about for this episode, I guess we wanted to say who we felt was the most improved and the least improved in both conference uh, based off of like trades and free agency signings and what have you. Uh, And we'll probably open this up to a conversation on our Facebook as well. If you guys want to chime in with your, uh, your picks as well. Um, but yeah, go ahead and start, man. This was your idea. Sure. So I, I want to see what you have uh, lined up. What you have? Well, what do you? Uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to start Eastern Conference? Do we want to start Western Conference? What are we, What are we thinking? Whatever you want to do. Why, why don't we start with whatever team you think in general has been the most improved, and then you know we'll just kind of yeah. Start I mean, there. Uh, for me personally. I think that the Devils are probably the most improved team from where they were at and really didn't give up much to get it in that sense. I mean, they still have Taylor Hall. I mean, yeah, they got Wayne Simmons. Oh, yeah, they got Gusev, too, which, I mean, yeah, he got signed for a lot of money, never playing an NHL game. That could be potentially, if he's putting up 50, 60 points, that could be a goddamn steal. I mean, between those, you know, four guys, Simmons, P.K. Subban, Jack Hughes, uh, Wayne Simmons, pretty damn good improvement, if you ask me. The only place they still kind of lack is their goaltending with Corey Schneider, the guy who hadn't won a game last since like the very tail end of last year for like over a year. Some stupid, stupid, crazy stat. Um, that's where they're lacking. If he can turn it around. I mean, they're gonna, in my opinion, they're going to be a playoff team. There's kind of almost no doubt in my mind there, but from where they were just winning the lottery there and getting up to the second pair or the first overall pick there um, for Hughes. That's what else can you really say about it? Right, right. Absolutely. So where are you at with the least improved on the Eastern conference? So that's, I mean, I, it's hard to say that it's not the blue jackets. I mean, they went all in last year. They lost Bobrovsky. They lost Panarin. 
Um, did they get? Did they? They got Duchene for a minute, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was. Yeah, he so was. He was a, a loner as well. Right. Yeah. So he came over. He was a trade. Wasn't he? he? Was a trade deal, right? Off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I can't remember, but I know that he was one of those that came over at trade deadline. Um, so yeah, yeah, that would make yeah. Sense. So it's like you have you know four huge names that are really good players. Don't get me wrong; they're absolutely great players. But the only way the only way I could even see them possibly re-signing them is if somehow they went on some crazy dominant run and they won the cup. I mean, if it won the cup and it was like we won each game and, you know, each series in six or seven games, it was hard fought. They're probably, in my opinion, they're probably not staying versus, holy shit, we just clicked on so many levels with all these guys we brought in the playoffs and we won the cup. We might stay around type of a thing. But it's like all those guys get shipped out and your replacement is Gustav Nyquist from the Sharks. <laughs> That's it. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean losing it, your star players in general, both between the pipes and you know the guy up front scoring goals. I mean, it's it's hard to be a Blue Jackets fan, uh, you know, these days. Yeah, it's you lose arguably your two top forwards. You lose another guy, or honestly, almost arguably top three forwards, and then you also lose your who's kind of been your franchise goaltender. They're all gone, and you got nothing for them. So it's kind of back to square one for them. I don't, I don't really see anyone else had anything close to what they're going to be going through here this next year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on the Blue Jackets. That was going to be um, my choice for the least um, improved uh, team. I guess that they can celebrate the fact that for the first time in franchise history, you know, they did advance past that first round. And there, there is still some hype, I guess, in that city for that reason and that reason alone. Um, you know, uh, the fact that they swept Tampa is going to be one of those monumental, uh, chokes that we're going to be, you know, talking about for years to come. Uh, and with that being said, I, I think, I think Tampa improved, uh, the obvious choice is to say that, you know, um, the, the devils improved the most because they made the most moves, but I, I am concerned like you with the goaltending situation, they don't really have, uh, a superstar uh, between the pipes. Uh, not that, you know, not that uh, Florida. Well, I mean, obviously they have Vasilevsky uh, and uh, to get to clarify, I'm talking about the bolts. I'm talking about Tampa Bay lightning. I'm not talking about, um, <laughs> I'm not talking about the Panthers. They didn't make as many moves as I thought they were going to. But uh, with that being said, I do think Tampa has made some improvements. You know, they obviously brought in Maroon as we talked about earlier this episode. Uh, maybe he might, be a piece that they were missing, but I think a big part of it was Shattenkirk. I know a lot of people, um, you know, were quick to discredit Shatty and that, you know, he wasn't worth the money and granted he wasn't, his contract was, was fat and bogus is all hell. And, you know, I'm glad the blues didn't, you know, sign him for that amount of money. Uh, but yeah, being let go by the Rangers and him signing that one year deal with, um, Tampa, I think is huge. I think that's going to improve, their defense. He's obviously bringing a level of, uh, you know, he's a veteran, so he's bringing a level of leadership to the team, uh, at least as far as the, you know defense goes. Uh, and I'm, you know, I think they're going to be a team to watch for. Uh, obviously, they were a team to watch for last year. The year before that, they've always been scary. So maybe you know these subtle moves might be all it takes for them to go all the way. See, I, I would, I would argue that. 
in my opinion, the, the two in the Eastern Conference were Devils and Rangers as far as most improved. In my opinion, with obviously them getting Panarin, they got uh, Capocacco with the Rangers as well, but then I feel like removing Shattenkirk actually is going to make them a better team because, I mean, as we know, him being a blue in the past and you know just what his sort of bread and butter is, he can absolutely just pick you apart on the power play. Like, there's no question about it, but just for whatever reason, the last few years, like right before the Blues kind of traded him away, it's just his actual overall defensive game just gone down the shitter. Like he's great to have. Don't get me wrong, but you're going to have to hide him on a third pairing and play him like 10 to 12 minutes a game and hope your team's getting like four to five power plays a game to kind of make him worthwhile, which I mean, it's a lightning. They're fast. I mean, they're hugely offensive team, so maybe it's not that bad for them. They're winning, you know, a lot of games, five, four, you know, four, two things like that. But I don't know. I don't know. That's that, that's all I can really say. Next season is going to be interesting. There were a lot of moves in the off off season, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm one of those guys that tends to watch as much hockey as I possibly can, or we just focus my my vision on one or two teams. Uh, so yeah, I I personally think that the Eastern Conference is going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good one. I, I want to see what the Devils can do. Uh, I want to see what Florida can do. Obviously, the Panthers aren't going to be a bad team either. I mean, they've always kind of had an issue with with goaltending as well. So um, that's going to be interesting to see how Bobrovsky does. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, moving on to the Western Conference, where, where are you at with that? So mine's kind of interesting. I mean, you could say it's slightly biased being born in Arizona technically, but I think the Coyotes <laughs> don't have born. Ha- and, and yeah, I mean, Grant does are to like three years old. I remember <laughs> nothing. So don't hold it against me. But uh, I think the Coyotes are going to be the team that's going to be most improved. They have the chance to. And the, the reason that I say that is we saw last year how basically their season almost came down to if they beat the Knights or not in that, you know, final final game there, if they would have made the playoffs or not. Granted, I think, remember correctly, because I was actually at that game, I hit like a stupid $800 parlay off like a $5 bet because the Coyotes, mind you, that night. That was actually fun. But um, yeah, I think like right before the game ended, the team that they needed to lose in front of them also won. So like that game was kind of moot at that point, even though they ended up winning. But I mean, they were right on the cusp of making the playoffs, but I'm pretty sure they were like, highest in man games lost um, or if they weren't the quality of players were lost for the amount of time that were lost was like number one in the NHL. So the fact that they were where they were with the injuries and then mind you, I don't think they had a 20 goal score. I don't think they had a 50 point score on their team. If they just missed the playoffs and you add Phil Kessel and you assume they're not going to have anywhere near as many injuries as they did in the past. I think they are going to be great, especially with Kessel. Um, What's his face? Uh, the coach of the uh, of the Coyotes. I can't think of a name off the top of my head. It's 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 Tockett, isn't it? Rick Tockett, Rich Rick or Rich Tockett? Uh, yeah, doesn't he have a history with him, like being yeah, the assistant? He, over he, the yeah, he he, lo- he loves the guy. So now it gives him more motivation to, I guess, pr- provide more. I guess effort. I guess is the best way to put it with him outside of the power play. Not saying obviously he's not a you know full effort guy. He's just. He's Phil Kessel is the hot dog dude. So well, we talked about that, I believe, last episode as well, and I agree. I think that a change of scenery and the right opportunity is going to be just what Phil Kessel needs. But yeah. I could also argue the dude's not getting any younger. Um, 
you know, maybe he doesn't need to be that superstar that he wants to be, you know, that he wants that spotlight and that opportunity. May, I mean, he could very well choke in that circumstance. Uh, I mean, the dude know, dude put up 82 points last year. I, w- I wouldn't call him aggressive anytime soon. I mean, you just never know, though. You know, every year in the league is you, you honestly, I mean, look at James Neal, consistent 20. It was a 21 plus goal scorer for like how many seasons? That's a little seasons? different. That's a little I mean, different. I mean, Kessel's fast. James Neal is just kind of big and average speed. That, that's a huge, huge difference okay. in my book. Right. But I mean, my point is, is it, a change of scenery can benefit or hurt a player. It really can. Well, and uh, now yeah. Phil, Kessel, Phil Kessel's been on a, a stacked team for, for many years where he didn't have the pressure of being that main guy and and maybe he will thrive maybe that might be a scenario that he wants to be placed in i mean obviously i don't think he's been happy in pittsburgh for a while um and we i talked about this shit two seasons ago i called that he was gonna go you know play for the coyotes uh you know they're a good team um very interesting i don't know that they're gonna be the most improved necessarily but i mean it's hard to argue against i I could totally see that i mean that that's a good move just in you know with kessel alone um but where are you at with thinking who 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 else do you think uh who do you think is you know hurt the most i mean i i I, in my opinion there's two teams it it just depends on how you want to look at it it's either it comes out of my book it's either the jets or it's the wild I tend to lean more towards the wild just because like they kicked their new GM just like right out the door. Now you have Bill Guerin, former blues legend, mind you um, behind, behind the general manager role there who actually just came out and said he has full confidence in Bruce Boudreaux where I'm just like, uh, yikes. Um, if you know, if you know anything about him with the ducks and any of his sort of recent play, like pretty much all of his playoff uh, runs, they've never ended well. Um, but not only that, like all they did was sign Matt Zuccarello, who's like 30 something, who's he's, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but like, he's not a game changer and they signed him for a lot of money and a pretty long deal. If I don't, if I remember correctly. So not only that, you have your overly signed and bloated Zach Prese contract. You have your overly signed bloated, both aging, mind you, the Prese contract and the Ryan Suter contract. And then, I mean, as far as any young guys on the wild, I mean, I could be wrong, but it's going off the top of my head. There's really nobody that sticks out, you know, as far as someone who can break out this year, you know, maybe put up 50, 60 points or, you know, take over a role on a second line, um, something like that. It's just a bunch of older guys who are good, but they're just not great. And it's going to be more of the same and probably worse, honestly, in my opinion for them. I mean, you could say maybe Jason Sucker, but like, He's, he's not a game changer, in my opinion. He has a lot of speed, but he's not a game changer. Well, you know, you're going to get a kick out of this on my chime in on your pick with the Wild. And and I tend to agree. I had a conversation with somebody the other day. And uh, being a uh, Vegas Golden Knights fan that lives in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, it comes up quite often. Uh, you know, wh- why are you wearing that? You know, you from you from Vegas or something? You know, I hear, I hear that a lot in that accent and everything. But uh this guy asked me, he said, I like your hat. And I thought he was being a dick. So I was like, yeah, man, you know, and he's like, are you from Vegas? And 
I always say now, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start telling people I am from Vegas just so I could ignore this awkward conversation that I have to explain <laughs> to you, you know, for the thousandth time, which is another reason why uh, your brother, Andy, why I give him so much shit. I'm like, Andy, I don't want to repeat myself to everybody in the world, including my friends, why, why I'm a fan, uh, which is not the topic of this, uh, you know, this podcast. But with that being said, the guy said, you know, I like your hat, you know, are you from Vegas? I said, no. And he goes, well, I'm, I'm a Knights fan too. And I was like, really? Oh, oh. Yeah. Another Knights fan that lives in St. Louis. So I was like, okay, are you a blues fan? He goes, no, I'm from Minnesota. He goes, I'm a wild fan. And he goes, but it's so hard to even watch my team play. And so it's literally, literally what we talk about when we give shit for bandwagon, but the guy was like super nice. And I mean, he was well-educated. He knew both teams very well, but he just said, man, he's like, I, I couldn't even tell you what that team's doing right now. He, and he said the same thing you said, he's like, Zuccarello is nothing to be excited about. You know, he feels like they're doing it for morale like it's a name that like fans might recognize and be like, oh, okay, this is cool. But he, the, he, I can't remember what it is, but he said that they're one of the oldest teams in the league yeah. with no, with no promise of any younger depth, and it just looks like this in, team is just gonna implode, you know, and not do much for a long period of time. And uh, so, yeah, it's um, I have to agree with you on the wild. The Jets situation is very interesting because. We still don't know where Line A is going, correct? Like we don't know if he's going to resign. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, so he's a restricted free agent. I mean, they own his rights. I mean, I don't think he has. I could be wrong. I don't think he has arbitration. So I mean, they could be a dick to him and say whatever his deal was, like multiply it by twenty percent. That's what we're giving you next year. Sucks. Deal with it. I mean, if you do that, he's he's gone. As soon as he can become a UFA, he's gone. There's no question in my mind. But the flip side of that is. Yeah, the reason I, I don't pick the Jets is team to potentially be, you know, the the least, you know, I guess improved team or the team that's going to fall, you know, regress the most is kind of because of Line A. I mean, obviously we saw him put up five goals against the Blues in one game last year. We saw him he, at times take over some moments in the series that we had against them as well. Um, but I mean, they lost some key guys. Yeah, I mean, Jacob Truba signed signed a deal. Yeah, he signed a deal with the. Uh, the Rangers, they lost him. Uh, and line A situation is going to be interesting. I mean, they have cap room from my understanding, so that's not really a huge issue. But now it's just kind of like they the, the thing that I'm trying to kind of get, get to is they have like three really solid forwards. You have Nikolai Ehlers, who's 23. You have Kyle Connor, who's 22. You have Patrick Lyonet, who's 21. All guys who are going to be making... I mean, Ehlers is already making $6 million for the next six years. Kyle Connor is probably going to be around that, if not more. Lyonet is probably going to argue for around... Honestly, he's probably looking for around $9, $10 million a year, if not more than that, just because of what he can do goal-scoring-wise. I mean, Blake Wheeler is great as well, but, I mean, he's 32. So, I mean, in my opinion, the, the talent that they have, the age gap is just too... I guess wide for them to sort of compete long term, and then, I mean, you look at Bufflin; he's thirty-four. I mean, that guy's not getting any faster. I mean, he can hit. Don't get me wrong, but it's just—I don't know. I mean, they lost some key parts, but I feel like some of the players they have are able to take over far more than a Prese would or a Suter would on the Wild than the Jets. I, I feel like the Jets are going to be a little bit better than that. Well, uh, so my picks um, 
for the Western Conference, this is going to be strange for me because obviously I'm a Knights fan, but it's hard to not feel like they didn't fuck up a little bit in this postseason. It's going to be interesting because you got to trust the GM. Obviously, McPhee has done some awesome things over there, but letting um, Gusev walk for for nothing was very uh, eye opening. Like that, that's really shitty because this dude could potentially go on to do awesome things. Uh, you know, that was kind of a sting. Uh, Belmar kind of. You know, they didn't re-sign him. They brought back Derek England, who's this aging veteran defenseman that's honestly a liability in the defensive zone. They brought him back for some form of leadership because he's kind of always been the unspoken captain that they have over there, even though they haven't really yeah. done that. Um, they don't really have depth when it comes to forwards either. I mean, they they signed Peary, which I'm obviously a fan of. Uh, but, you know, to have him be the replacement to Gusev and Eric Halla is just I mean, that's that's some big shoes to fill, you know, and yeah. uh, we don't know that he's capable of, of performing. But at the same po- at the same time, you know, I do think, um, you know, Peary was a solid pickup and I do, you know, Derek England bringing him on for that. I see why they made the moves that they did, but it, it's hard to not say that I think that they've gotten weaker. Um sure. Now, with that, with that being said, I mean, they did bring in Mark Stone uh, at trade deadline. It looks on paper as if they've gotten weaker. Um, I'm hoping some of these younger guys that they've had. Uh, Cody Glass was their number one draft pick that they've ever had. Hopefully, he gets some ice time. Hopefully, he winds up being a stud. I think the stars um, improved the most. You know, they've gotten older, which is interesting. But, yeah. you know, bringing on... Um, and now I'm having a brain fart. You passed it on to me. Uh, <laughs> Katie Perry uh, or should I say Corey Perry? <laughs> Corey, yeah. Well, I know Corey Perry. I mean, he's a he, who knows what he's going to do, right? Mm. I mean, the dude's injury prone and, and he hasn't really been putting up these numbers as like he should. But I mean, he is capable. Um, but I was more aimed towards uh, uh, the former uh, San Jose Sharks uh, captain, Joe Pavelski. I think that that dude, even at his age, is going to bring a lot to that organization. And Ben Bishop looked like a stud last season and into the postseason. Uh, I think that they're going to be a team to watch. And I, I actually thought they were a team to watch last year as well. So I, I think, yeah, those are my picks. I think the Knights got weaker. I hope I'm wrong, obviously. And I think the stars got stronger. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. Um, actually funny note, uh, I think it's actually kind of, I feel it's kind of fucked up and a little bit of a troll on the Blues part. They're actually giving away their, uh, I guess for the fans, a little like mini Stanley Cup champions banner, like the second home game of the night, which is a Saturday night against the Stars, who basically St. Louis, pretty much St. Louis native Ben Bishop is going to be in goal, and he has to deal with that and know that's happening. When he became a wraparound (laughs) away from Jamie Ben going to the Western Conference Finals. He's a stud. He, he'll he'll find his place. I hope uh, I hope the best for him. But yeah, that's going to sting a little bit. With that that photo of him in maroon is going to always yeah. be an iconic, <laughs> you know, image with the with the St. Louis flag behind. And yep. we were there for that game. And and arguably, I've seen people talk about recaps of of all the series. And obviously, other than winning the cup, that was a very very important moment for yeah. uh, the Blues. Agree. Um, so that'll uh, that'll wrap up what we wanted to talk about, but we do have some really fucking awesome questions 
um, this week. So I really wanted to focus some time answering some of these questions uh, that you guys have had for us on our Facebook. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, point you guys to that direction if you guys want to look up, uh, look us up on Facebook at Fourth Line Goon. Also the same on FourthLineGoon.com and Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. We love talking with you guys. Um, the first question is from uh, Terry Gibson. And he's got a few. Um, he wants to know if we think Panarin is going to be a good fit for New York. I'll let you start. I mean, I think it's perfect. Uh, if they could get a line going, and I mean, it's, it's a big if because we don't really know how Capo Caco is going to, you know, perform, especially in his first year um, with the Rangers. If they get a line with Panarin and, and, and Capo on it. I mean, that's deadly. I mean, that's absolutely deadly in my mind there. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, you sort of look up and down the Rangers sort of lineup. They don't really have someone who can do what Panarin does. I mean, you have a guy who can easily put up 80 points a year. I mean, almost 30 goals a year and, you know, do it consistently. And to get that, I mean, he's going to be on their top line. There's no question in my mind. I mean, the next closest guy is, what, a Chris Kreider, a Mika Zibanejad? Good again, but they're not Panarin's just top tier. They're just like middle to above average tier, in my opinion. There, no, no knocks on them. That's kind of who they are as players. I mean, but yeah, I mean, he's a superstar. They don't have one. Put it in short. I mean, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna yeah, he's gonna thrive. He's gonna thrive there. That's for sure. And it's crazy to think he what he signed eight years, seven years, eight uh, years, something seven, like that. And I believe, yeah, yeah, seven. You know, massive contract. Uh, I mean, he's going to be the face of that organization for a long time. And to think that, you know, a decade from now, we could be saying, you know, New York Rangers legend, uh, you know, Artemi Panarin. That, I mean, that's just that's just madness. But that's what we're looking at. Um, they need that. I mean, is he going to is he going to save that team? No. I mean, you need a lot more. They have a lot more issues at hand. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, he, he's going to benefit. They're going to benefit from him. Um, and, you know, they could be a playoff team, maybe not next season, but, you know, after some some more moves or maybe some adjustments that could be made uh, there. They could be a team to watch for. Yeah. Um, Terry Gibson also wanted to know uh, how possible do you think a repeat could be for the blues? Uh, I, I'm going to start with this uh, and, and then uh, I'll let you take over, but sure. I am not going to get my hopes up and I don't think anyone else in St. Louis should get their hopes up. Uh, a repeat is one of the hardest things to do period in all of sports, let alone in the NHL. Um, you know, the Stanley cup is the hardest trophy in sports to acquire. That's uh, pretty much universally thought amongst all of the leagues. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your breath, but at the same time, I mean, don't count them out. Uh, you know, they kept a lot of their core together. Uh, if, if Bennington is the stud, we all pray he is every night, then yeah, I mean, they're going to go for another deep run. Yeah. I it, it's going to be very very interesting. Again, I that was literally my first thought. Same one you have. I'm not getting my hopes up. I mean, just sort of thinking about it, like I feel like what this next. I mean, how do I put it? Like from from January to January. So from like January 2019 to like January 2020, like that's arguably going to be the best year. I granted it's not a full season. It's split up between two seasons. You know, there's only one postseason in there, all that crap. But that's arguably, in my opinion, going to be the best year of hockey that St. Louis is ever going to have. And the reason I say that is whether they're super successful or not in the regular season, 
I, I don't think it really matters that much. And the reason I say that is you're basically guaranteed in that span you have a cup win. An improbable cup win, you could arguably say, as well as where they were in January. But then also, you're hosting the All-Star game basically the year right after you won the cup. I mean, not many teams, if at all, get to do that. I haven't looked into it. But, I mean, how do you, how do you beat that? I mean, obviously, you, you beat it by you know bringing home another cup winner the next year. But it's a situation where... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, just looking, and I don't know how many people watched or, you know, a lot of people who sort of listen to us or, you know, Blues fans or whatnot from the St. Louis area. But, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you watched sort of like the behind the scenes of, uh, you know, locker room stuff with Pat Maroon. I mean, he's all over that, just sort of, you know, keeping morale up. I love going to war with you guys. You know, I put in this farewell note and everything. I mean, so it's going to be interesting to see who sort of fills that role that he's sort of leaving in the locker room. That's going to play a big part as well. But, I mean, playoffs, no doubt. I mean, I would – arguably say I will be disappointed if I don't see them going to at least second round, but yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm not getting my hopes up as far as another repeat or a repeat run. Absolutely. And I know some of you uh, also were asking about how we feel with the Maroon situation. We obviously spent a big part of this episode already discussing that, but Steve Benz did ask if we could ever see him returning to St. Louis. Actually, I hit my headset as as that was said because it's just like it's a it's a frustrating question because I'm like eighty twenty with it. Like I'm eighty percent happy that uh, that he's uh, kind of gone just because of numbers and everything. When there's twenty percent of me who's like it would be nice to have him back. Just again the locker room stuff. So. I don't know. Like the, the way I kind of see it playing out, if it were to ever happen, it'd have to be a perfect situation. Um, kind of like if you remember, if anyone else out there remembers when Scotty Upshaw came to the blues, uh, we brought him on as a PTO. Someone got hurt and he was sort of our depth forward and he played solid for the two years that we, that we had him. And then he got hurt again. And I think, I think actually there's spitting chicklets or, or whoever actually put out that he's actually, I know he's good buddies with all those guys over there. Um, actually put out a thing that I think he's signing a PTO with the stars. So he healed up from his knee injury and everything. So I think it'd be a situation where like Maroon doesn't go sign next year. Training camp comes around someone, you know, a third liner or somebody gets hurt or a couple of them get hurt where we can replace one guy internally, but then another one, what do we want to do? And you know, maybe bring him on for a PTO or something like that. I think that's kind of the only way I see him kind of coming back at this point. Yeah, only time will tell with that one, in my opinion. I think Maroon broke a lot of hearts uh, here in St. Louis. I don't know that I would compare it to Reeves when Reeves had to leave. I know a lot of people were still hurt by that, yeah. but it's it's damn near close. It's damn near close. Uh, if there's one thing that this city values, it's it's like the hardworking, you know, blue collar vibe when it comes to players. Like, I don't think that this city has ever been infatuated with superstars i mean granted we did have the golden brett you know we did have gretzky for a you know quick moment in time but we've always kind of latched on to those fourth liners like yep. those that mentality that you can work really hard and and get get somewhere with it and maroon was literally that guy i mean he was scouted at a local roller hockey rink <laughs> yeah. and i mean just with that being said, I mean, that just speaks volumes. And I mean, it hurt me too. You know, we, we have this argument all the time, uh, you know, 
about whether or not Maroon is the guy that everyone wants him to be, or if they just like him as a guy. Right. And, you know, he, he did great things for the blues and we're always gonna, we're always gonna thank him for that. He's going to be a local legend for, you know, the rest of eternity, but maybe it's a good thing that he moved on, you know, for both him and the organization, we need younger guys. We need faster guys. We need guys that can skate really well. You know, now there's a, a certain level of expert, you know, like expectations. I'm not going to say that blues fans are, you know, going to expect, you know, another cup, but I mean, you know, definitely need to be a playoff contender and you need to be a good team. And, and I think that this is the right move. Um, in, in other words, let it go. And, you know, if he comes back, great, but if he does come back, it's going to be, cheap quick and more of like uh hey the local town you know the hometown guys back like let's hear it you know it's not going to be a strategy move to like make the team stronger yeah and as you said it, it it'll really come into play whether or not you know injuries unfold or or what have you that i mean time's gonna tell with that one but for now let it go blues fans you know let's 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 have a a, a awesome next season and, and let's get hyped because the core of the team is still you know, remaining intact and that's all that matters. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you. So like I said, yeah, if he comes back, great to have him. I mean, I know you're not a big baseball guy, but it's kind of like uh, David freeze with the Cardinals, what he did in the world series sort of win us the championship back in uh, 2011 or he's moved on, but it's like every time that he's come back, even though he plays for another team, whoever he plays for, it's like standing ovation. Everyone loves the guy. Like it's going to be the same thing. Pat Maroon's going to come back, you know, the one game this year, you know, hopefully he's not hurt or whatever. He's on the team still, you know, whatever the case may be, he's going to come back to St. Louis. He's going to get a crazy ovation during one of the TV timeouts, if not even, you know, during the, the pre-skate or, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun for him. I mean, there's no, no question about it. I mean, for as long as he plays in NHL, whether it's for the blues or not, he's going to get that. And that's something, again, you can never take away from the guy. Absolutely. And so we have one more question and uh, it's from Anthony Medina and I'm going to alter the question just a little bit because I don't feel like we should really spend all, all the time in the world on this. Uh, But he wants to know if we were a GM for a team, who's our starting five and our goaltender, but he added that the cap is, is, is is 15 million, but I'm not going to know what each of these players make. So I, you know, I, I'm not going to do the cap because that's going to um, so, so, hurt my so, head right so now. Wait, he, want, he wants me to pick five, basically three forwards, 2D, and a goalie with a $15 million cap hit? Right, right. How, but I don't think the, the 15 million. How the fuck am I supposed to do that with good players? Like, no, no offense. <laughs> right. Either, but like, how am I supposed to do that? Like, if I wanted to put a Petrangelo and a Tarasenko, I'm done. I can't sign anyone else. Like, that's it. Right. Like, what do I do? Right. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna alter the question a little bit, and we're just gonna do the starting lineup and a goaltender. Uh, who do you have? I guess is what it what it is. And and honestly, I think you might have a a, a more detailed answer. So I'm gonna go first yeah. so that you can think about right. it a little bit. Um. And, uh, and just to clarify, this, this, and is, all, and this is all current players, active players. Yeah, this okay. is all current players actively, and th- I'm going to say that the main goal is to put together a line and a goaltender that you think could go next season. Yeah, and win and, and win it all yeah. is is the is the thought process. Um, so with that being said, 
I'm going to I'm going to throw the unpopular opinion out there. For, well, man, that's so it's so hard not to be biased, right? Cuz like <laughs> you want to pick your, you want to pick your favorites, but like at the same time, why wouldn't I just pick the best yeah. across the board? You know, that that that's getting tricky too. Um man, that's this is a really tricky question. I thought it was going to be fun, but it's kind of a headache. Um I'm going to say Ryan O'Reilly in the center. I think that he uh i think he's he's getting into his prime at this point even though he's getting older uh i and he's uh, his save his face off percentages alone are fucking nuts um so i actually am going to go with Ryan O'Reilly in the it's center funny you say that cuz that's um, kind of who I was leaning towards too i think he's underappreciated i know he didn't even crack the top 10 in the nhl uh top centers in the league but uh yeah i'm going to go with him um Let's let's see. So for wingers uh, in the NHL, so I, I got to do a quick Google because like <laughs> fantasy, because I mean, dude, it's so overwhelming, right? It, it um, I mean, you play fantasy hockey shit, or whatever. So, you have like a list in front of you versus just trying to go off the top of your head a little bit and rank them at the same time. Yeah, it's like, like I can remember a lot of names. Well, but I guess like ranking them is the problem in my head. Right, right. Well, and and, and I think that's kind of the the thing, right? Is a uh, we're, we're basically putting together a fantasy team yeah, pretty much. And, and you have like six first that. round picks. You get to pick six people for everybody else. Here's your team. Right. Um, okay. So I'm looking, so I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Ryan O'Reilly. Um, you know, it's really, and that's without being obvious and not going Crosby or anything along those lines. Um, it's hard not to, to throw you know, Giroux in there. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, a, a pretty solid winger. I would say choice wise. Sure. Um, Oh man, this is, yeah, it's overwhelming. I should have, we should have prepared a little <laughs> bit more here. Um, I'm not going to say Patrick Kane just because fuck that. Okay. So here I, I have, I'm confident. I'm confident in this. Okay. So I'm going to say Giroux Kucherov and Ryan O'Reilly are going to be my, are going to be my forwards. Um, and then I'm going to say, I'm going to go, obviously, you know, I got to say Eric Carlson because I have a huge man crush on him. So I'm going to say Eric Carlson, if he's healthy, I'm going to say is going to be, uh, my D my first D and my second. Uh, I mean, it's Petrangelo bums me out sometimes, but you know, overall it's hard not to go with him. So I'm going to go Petrangelo, Eric Carlson on D, uh, and I'm going to say Giroux, uh, O'Reilly and um, Kucherov for my forwards. Okay. Uh, goaltender, it's hard to not say Vasilevsky, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's my first, that's my first thought. Um, a close second for me is going to be Flurry, and I know that's an unpopular opinion amongst us, but uh, a very close second would be Flurry. But Vasilevsky is probably going to be my Fair. choice. Okay, so I've, I've had a obviously a bit more time here to listen to you and and think about things a bit more. So. I'm trying to not look through the lens of I'm a blues fan. I know these guys performed great last year. Like this is who I want um, based off of that. So I would go a little different route with a couple of things um, on the center side of things. It might be sound a little weird, but, but hear me out. I'm actually going to go with Alexander Barkov of the Panthers. Um, the guy does not get any credit playing in Florida. Um, he has some of the sickest shootout moves like in the game. Um, I think last year he had like 
more shorthanded goals of his own than like eight or nine teams did, which is just stupid. Um, he's winning a lot of his face-offs. He's taking some of the most face-offs in the league. Um, he's just a really solid player. And like, he's putting up like 80 points almost with the Panthers and names almost in the Panthers, like forward wise. It's really good that he can play with right now. Cause I can tell you right now, like if I'm naming a really good forward, there's really not anyone on my list that comes close to what Barkov could do there. So imagine him with like, I mean, what would be a good example? I mean, Imagine him with like a Kucherov. Like it would just be stupid. Like absolutely stupid. Like honestly, I feel like Barkov, and as crazy as it sounds, I feel like Barkov would perform better than Stamkos would if Barkov was Kucherov center. That's my personal opinion. This right, is, this is right. nuts. So that's my opinion on that guy. People might not know a lot about him. Again, he plays for the Panthers, doesn't get a lot of coverage down there, but the guy's guy's a damn good player. So that's my opinion on centers. Uh, if we go to wings, uh, again, how do you not take Kucherov? Like the guy puts up stupid numbers in the regular season. He's just a great player. Like there's, there's no one that comes close to him as far as what he can do. And then trying not to look at just the offensive side of things. Like, yeah, you could say Alexander Ovechkin you could say a Patrick Kane, this and that. But I think Taylor Hall will be a good second option on the wing. Cause I mean, he won MVP. If yeah, helped. he won MVP not this year, but the year before. I mean, he put up like I think that year he put up like almost forty goals. I think he had over ninety points, something like that. Like he's putting up stupid numbers, and he's playing for the Devils, who I mean they're a good team, but they're I mean they were great. I mean they qualified for playoffs, but like they were great. And he had like some stupid like point streak of like what was it like twenty five or twenty seven, twenty eight games, something like that. It was it was nuts. So I mean the guy's phenomenal too, and if he's playing with superstars again, just imagine how good he would be. Um, and then on defense, hard to not pick. And, and the reason I pick him too is Hedman. I mean, he's a big dude. I mean, he's a fast dude. His offensive talent is kind of hard to replicate anywhere in the NHL, just what he can do. I personally think he's better than Carlson, better than a Burns overall in that aspect of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's that to consider. And then I guess, just and again, trying to keep the bias out of it, but just sort of what I saw over the, you know the end of the season run and what we've sort of been missing from the Blues. I, I kind of put Tranchel on that list as well. I mean, as much shit as he's gotten as the why is this guy a captain for the Blues in the past? Like, give it to Ryan O'Reilly. Like, he shut everybody up during the playoffs. Like, he didn't do real hard anything wrong. Arguably, I mean, he just played his game, played it as well as he could, and just did everything he was asking then so like there's no question about it so if you get that with headman like I, I, that's gonna be tough and then from a goaltending perspective that that's a tough one i mean i can't say bennington not for bias's sake but as great as the guy is much as i love the guy like he's played not even a full year he's played like even with playoffs like maybe two-thirds of a season if that you know what i mean so right, right, yeah. That I mean, I wanted to say him so bad, but we can't even. We have no idea what his potential is at this yeah. point. And I mean, pulling the trigger on that it, when you're trying to build like just your your starting lineup with with your goaltender and that like, there's so many other options that we know that are more proven and like have continued to prove them prove themselves at least decently. Sure. 
you know, season in and season yeah. out. So, yeah, I mean, and then I get that. And then, so as far as goalies go, and we mentioned them earlier, um, not fast last but earlier in the podcast, uh, I go with Bishop. I mean, just seeing the fucking performance he put on in that second round game seven against the Blues in person, we're both there together. It was just stupid. It was just absolutely stupid. It was like Bennington in game seven against the Bruins. Stupid. Uh, and yeah, that was just phenomenal. And I mean, the guy played lights out all year. He played lights out in the playoffs and then just one team had to lose and happened to be the stars instead of blues. But I mean, again, it's like trying to put this together. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not easy because it's like, well, I have this guy who's great at this, arguably the best in the game, but like I'm lacking on offense and I could put like a Ovechkin or a Stamkos or a Crosby. It's just, it's hard to just narrow it down to like one person at each position. It's very, very difficult. And to feel right. like not difficult yeah. in the sense of picking the players, but like difficult in the sense of like, I'm locking in final answer. This is who I want. Not like, uh, it's more like, uh, is this right? Am I 100% on this? Is there someone I'm not thinking about off the top of my head? Do I not want to replace somebody? But yeah. Right. Well, and while you've been talking, I've been rethinking my answers too. And it's hard for me to not. I, man, I Drew was like one of the first names that came up in my head. But then as I'm like sitting here, like just kind of going over everything, like it's hard not to pick Mitch Marner either. I mean, the dude is, you know, had a hell of a yeah. last season you know he's young i mean are we trying to pick these guys for like long term you know or is this just like a one and done flash in a pan scenario yeah. you know what are I'm we saying? going all like, in for one year or building a franchise we- around these guys right are we doing a are we pulling a columbus blue jackets <laughs> or you know or that that's the that's the question but hell of a question uh, i appreciate we appreciate you asking anthony and we appreciate you listening um, that'll about wrap it up, man. This is actually an awesome episode. I'm, I'm stoked that we got together to chat. There hasn't been as much as we would like to when it comes to talking. So we've held off. So I think that's probably why this has been such a juicy episode. Uh, if you guys are just now listening for the first time, go back and listen. This is our 13th episode. Um, and as we get closer to October, uh, we're going to be, you know, doing this more regularly again. You know, we try to do this at least once a week. Um, and uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to you want to add here to just kind of bookend this episode? I mean, I really, I really don't think so. I mean, I just know once we get off here, I'm going to be thinking more about that top line in goalie. It's because, like, I've, I've actually never, as weird as it sounds, like I've never thought about putting that together in my head. Just because, like, obviously, it's never an opportunity really in the NHL. Um, even with fantasy hockey, it's like you can you can, maybe, you can maybe get one of those guys, maybe depending on where you're drafting. Like, that's it. So. Well, maybe maybe we should open this up to our, our Facebook community. We'll we'll put together some sort of a uh, a meme uh, to put up so we can see what your guys' opinions might be. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, keep checking in on our social media: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, fourthlinegoon.com. As I said, as we get closer to October, we'll have more content. We appreciate you guys checking us out and uh, well, actually, everybody. before we wrap up, just because you brought it up, uh, I kind of brought it up, and I kind of brought it at a separate point, but to put them together, uh, I think it'd be interesting if we got together like a uh, some sort of fantasy hockey league with some of our some of our listeners. Like, obviously, we can't do everybody, but uh, I think it'd be cool to get some something going, and then it gives us a reason to maybe talk shit on some people, or uh, they can do the same to us. You know what I mean? Oh, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I have, and I've never ran. I've last season no no two seasons ago was the first time i've ever done fantasy hockey um because it always i always heard it was overwhelming you know and and i mean it is it really is but now 
that this has become like more of a, a hobby of ours to kind of keep track of, of other teams and other players. Uh, I'm in. So yeah, let's get the ball rolling on that. Let's see if any of you guys are interested in, in potentially doing a, a fantasy hockey league and, and chime in and let us know. And that'll be a good start is to figure out, you know, who everyone thinks their starting lineup would be in a perfect world. Um, so yeah, check out our Facebook, chime in and uh, we'll be, we'll be chatting with you guys soon. Yeah. Cheers guys.